0: I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program is returning guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Many of you longtime listeners will recognize Dr. Nenner as a very bright market tactician. And for those of you that have IRAs and 401ks in which you're investing in stocks or bonds or stock funds and bond funds, He has a very interesting forecast that you'll want to stay tuned for. So, again, that's in segments two and three of today's program. I'm making available a special report this month that is a bit of a different topic for us. The report is titled, The Changing Face of Long-Term Medical Care. The report talks about the cost of medical care, who pays for such care, and gives you, most importantly, some alternative strategies to consider to protect yourself from this expense. And those of you that request the report this month will also get a copy of my best-selling book titled Revenue Sourcing, A Retirement Planning Strategy for the Post-Pandemic Economy. There's also some other bonus information that we'll be glad to send you to get the report the book, and the bonus information, all you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com. And if you let me know your name and where to mail all this information, I would be very glad to do so at no cost and with no further obligation. So again, the website is requestyourreport.com. Well, for those of you that Maybe you're of the opinion that bonds are a safe place to invest, that you can't lose money in bonds. Certainly 2022 has been a bit of a wake-up call. Now, as I'll discuss with Dr. Nenner in the next segment, bonds have been in a 40-year bull market. Now, here in this segment, I want to talk to you a bit about U.S. government bonds. And for those of you maybe that don't know the first thing about bonds, a bond is simply a loan that you make to an entity. So in the case of U.S. government bonds, you're loaning the U.S. government money, in this case, to fund an operating deficit. In the case of a corporate bond, you're loaning a company money, perhaps to build a new manufacturing plant or a new tower of some type. And when bonds are issued, typically the interest rate that the investor is paid on the bond is commensurate with the risk that that investor is taking. For example, if you were to go to a corporation that had a AAA credit rating, you would get a much lower interest rate than if you went to a startup corporation and loaned that startup money. In order for the startup to interest investors in loaning them money or buying the bonds that they issue, they mean, again, the same thing, they would have to put into place a much higher interest rate to attract those investors to compensate them for the risk. Now, the Federal Reserve has really turned this bond market over the past 10 years, into a bit of an artificial market. See, the Fed, through its quantitative easing or currency creation program, and I've talked about that in detail, uh, I talk about it just about every week here on the program, the Fed is creating currency, and with that newly created currency, they are going to banks, and they're buying from those banks government bonds, government securities, and mortgage-backed securities. So the banks are buying the debt or the bonds from the government. The Fed is buying the bonds from the banks using newly created currency. So this has been an environment where interest rates have been held very low. Now, if you take a look at what happened to bonds, uh, earlier this year. I mean, we're, we're, as I record this, we're 11 days into the new year. Bonds have gotten absolutely hammered this year simply because the markets are believing that the Fed is going to raise interest rates and they're going to taper. And they believe this because of the last, the, the most recent minutes released by the Fed. Now, Jim Bianco, had a really interesting tweet thread on bond yields, and I want to share with you just some facts. And Jim starts his commentary by saying, in some respects, what happened in bond markets last week was epic, something we might be talking about for many years. Now, Bianco says when you're discussing bond market moves, it's his belief that the best metric, the best measuring stick, if you will, is total return. Total return includes price change and level of yields. Now, the 30-year data goes all the way back to 1973. That's 49 years ago. And the first week of 2022, when you look at the 30-year long bond, it was the worst calendar week total return in the entire 49-year history. The long bond lost 9.35% in a week. Now Bianco said that if this was a year, a 9.35% total return loss would be the fifth worst year ever. But we're not talking about a year, we're talking about a week. We're talking about extreme volatility. Now, one of the reasons I bring this up on today's program is that many people are of the opinion that you can't lose money in bonds. And that's because we've had a 40 year bond bull market. I mean, if you go all the way back to 1981 when then uh, Federal Reserve Chair Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 20%, since that time, interest rates have been declining for almost the entire time. And as interest rates decline, that means bonds are appreciating in value. So we have had a 40-year bull market in bonds. So to see the long bond lose 9.35% in one week is an extreme departure from what the trend has been. Now the 10-year U.S. Treasury note also had a terrible week. It finished its worst week in 42 years. It had a total return loss, according to Bianco, of 4.24%. Only February 1980 saw a bigger loss for a calendar week, and that happens to be when Volcker raised interest rates to 20% plus. the calendar week total return for the Bloomberg 10-plus tips index was a negative 6.09%. Now, this is the third worst week ever for this bond index. Now, the two weeks that were worse, one was the week of March 13 of 2020. That was at the peak of COVID panic-fed buying of bonds to the tune of $100 billion a day. And the other week was October 10 of 2008 when Lehman failed. However, the first week of 2022 was the third worst week for this index. Now, Bianco asks a really good question. He said, why was last week so epic? And he answers his own question by saying, I believe the whole bond market finally realized that easy money is over and quantitative tightening is coming. What's quantitative tightening? Well, quantitative easing is the process of the Fed creating money to buy assets from banks to add to their balance sheet. Quantitative tightening is the opposite. They sell those assets. Now, in the last segment of today's program, I'm going to spend some time talking about what that might mean for your IRA and your 401k. But before I go to the break and come back after the break with Dr. Charles Nenner, if you're just joining me, let me remind you that we have a brand new report this month titled The Changing Face of Long-Term Medical Care. The report talks about the cost of long-term medical care. It talks about who pays for long-term medical care. And it talks about alternative strategies to protect yourself. If you request the report by going to requestyourreport.com, I'll be glad to include some bonus information, including my best-selling revenue sourcing book from 2020. That book contains a retirement planning strategy for the post-pandemic economy. So again, requestyourreport.com. Requestyourreport.com is the website. Let us know where to mail all this information. We'll be very glad to do so at no cost and with no further obligation I'll be back after these words with dr. Charles Nenner welcome back to retirement lifestyle advocates radio I'm Dennis Tubergen your host I have the pleasure today of chatting with Dr. Charles Nenner of the Charles Nenner Research Center. You can check out his work at charlesnenner.com. Dr. Nenner, welcome back to the program.
1: It's great to be back, especially in these difficult market times.
0: Yeah, so Dr. Nenner, for our new listeners and our audience is growing all the time, for our new listeners that maybe aren't familiar with your background and the kind of work you do, can you fill them in briefly, please?
1: Well, briefly, it's based on the fact that there's no at-random movement in nature and also in financial markets. So I developed a neural network that tells you in different markets that goes from natural gas to crude oil to S&P to bonds to Bitcoin. Uh, we do very nicely. Uh, we tell exactly which day is going to top, which day is going to bottom, also longer term, and what is the level where a move is going to. And so we don't believe that the move starts and it it just waits for a news item to come out in order to make a top, but we can calculate the top in advance. And I've been doing this, I don't know, for 30, 40 years. I did it for Goldman Sachs for a long time, uh, being in charge of the uh, prop traders, you know, the money that Goldman Sachs made themselves. And since uh, 2000, I have my own firm and I try to help people not to lose their money, which sounds a bit awkward lately. But uh, like I tell the people, I'm Dutch, and the Dutch says, how can I not lose money? And the American says, how can I make money? And we're really now in a time that we have to watch not to lose money.
0: Well, I have a lot of Dutch in my heritage, so I can certainly uh, identify with that statement about the Dutch. So, Dr. Nenner, let's yeah. talk Let's talk a little bit about uh, the current state of uh, the world economy. It uh, seems like a lot of th- these central bank policies have... Uh, really uh, exacerbated inflation. Uh, what would be your view or your perspective on the overall health of the world economy and, and what inflation is going to look like as we enter 2022?
1: Well, I have a long-term chart that I probably publish next, next week of the, uh, the yields of the last, I think, 300 years in the United States. <clears throat> and it shows me that there's a whole new up move already uh, in place uh, yields will go much higher. It can get back to the problem of the 80s. And inflation soon could go to 11 12%, which is a big problem for people who are still holding their uh, their bonds. <clears throat> now, the economy still looks reasonable for the coming year. And uh, I remember my father who tried to uh, make money in stocks. He never never got it because the economy is good and the market goes down. That's because the market anticipates. And uh, the, the stocks now become more expensive because you compare it to the real interest rates, which are like minus six, seven percent, and then suddenly stocks are expensive. And the other thing I try to get across all the time is that the people who, who, who joined me in buying the low in February uh, after the crisis, or eight, or nine, I already forgot a long time ago, were insiders on a that after so many years, Uh, the economy is going to do great and then it's time to sell. Uh, It's it's contrary to the feeling that everybody has because the the small investor thinks I should uh, sell when things are bad and I should buy when things are good. But it's actually the opposite because the market looks uh, ahead of a year, year and a half. And I always say people don't listen to the news because the market is going to do what, what is based on what happens in a year and a half. And if you don't know it, then certainly the news from today is not going to help you. So the insiders have been selling, as I've been proven uh, two weeks ago in a big piece that I, I wrote for my subscribers, and I showed them that a lot of stocks are already in the bear market, and I showed them that uh, one-third of the S&P is only supported by 1% of the stocks. So slowly, slowly, on the disguise of keeping the index uh, making new highs, the insiders were selling and they continue
0: to sell. Well, to the point you just made, Dr. Nenner, um, I read an article, uh, talked about it with uh, on, on another uh, broadcast that I did, that the leadership in stocks has been very narrow. Uh, for example, I think it was uh, – 40% of all NASDAQ stocks have declined 50% for their highs. And any rise in what we've That's seen correct. in the NASDAQ index uh, is coming from five stocks. So it seems like across the board, uh, th- this this leadership is narrowing. So I know you were out of stocks as of a couple weeks ago. So what's your forecast for stocks moving ahead here? and And comment on that leadership, if you could, please.
1: Well, the leadership was actually five five uh, stocks that were like Apple, Google, Alpha, <laughs> Nvidia, that are totally overpriced. Microsoft, totally overpriced, and they were keeping the Nasdaq going. Like you said, is I didn't mention the fifty percent being in a bear market because I also saw that, and I'm afraid to make a mistake because it's such a strong statement. But it seems to be correct also when you when you mention it. So a lot of stocks are in a bear market already. And those four or five stocks keep the NASDAQ or kept the NASDAQ going, but they were totally, totally overpriced. Um, so that's one of the reasons why now we see a big sell off in, in tech stocks, take the markets with them. Uh, the, the, the problem is that, uh, and I know that really from from, from a lot of uh, investors, is that people are afraid to miss 44% on the upside and don't care about 30, 40% on the downside. So whenever it goes up, they're still conditioned to buy the dips, and it's not going to end well. So my idea for people at stocks is uh, there could be a short-term bounce into the 30th of January based on cycles, but you really want to lighten up on your position because otherwise you get the same situation as in the bond market. Uh, I think we, we sold the bonds, the U.S. bonds, 30-year, uh, 190. Today they run 155, and you don't get your money back and uh, it's better to to watch our cycles or say the markets are topping, the situation is dangerous, and uh, save your money, save your assets.
0: So Dr. Nenner, do you have a forecast for where stocks ultimately go based on your cycles research?
1: Well, not only on the base cycle research, I think the first up is gonna be around 18,000 for the Dow. Wow.
0: And so fifty percent down. Get
1: worse also. Yeah, at least it could get worse also. It's it's a major it's a major tough. If if people like to uh, to sign up, which they can get for free for four weeks, maybe they can see what we sent out last the last Sunday. Very convincing, and it showed them that at least they have the same situation as happened in two thousand seven at the high.
0: So and again the website for the listeners that want to check that out, it's Charles dot com. That's CharlesNenner.com. So, Dr. Nenner, uh it's it's hard to imagine given the current fiscal state, and, and you know, I'm most of my listeners are in the United States, although we have a, a smattering around the world. Um it, you know, it's hard to imagine interest rates going higher given the current state of not only US finances, but the amount of private sector debt that exists. Um, it just suggests that there's going to have to be a like a deflationary collapse here because not all this debt is going to be paid, and certainly not at higher interest rates. So, give me your comment.
1: Well, I, I published research that was done on the uh, the virus situation, and I uh, I showed them that in 1518. I uh, know in front of me. I think it's a small Puck, uh, smallpox epidemic and then in 1618 the same thing and then in 1718 it was measles and in 1818 it was cholera and 1918 we all know how bad it was and now it's, it's the virus that the, you know that, that, that kills people and it's exactly hundred years apart and don't ask me how to explain it but what I mentioned over there is that a few years before the hundred years you would have no idea that it's going to be an epidemic. So we don't really know what's going on, why it's going on. The only thing that my my research deals with is what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And the rest are not better than other people that that publish in the media. And I don't think they have any idea why things happen the way they happen. Uh the the the, the market starts selling off because the Federal Reserve uh, had these comments, I think last Wednesday. Well, that's incorrect because, as you, as you say, half of the, the stocks were already in, in, in bear market territory, which means is the people who know what's going on don't wait for the Fed to say something. Only the people who don't know anything and don't watch analysis, they react on the Fed, and then it's too late. So I really don't know uh, what we can expect, but this is a, a bear market for bonds, I'm talking long term, of at least 30 years.
0: Wow. So you're expecting interest rates from this point to rise for 30. And, and uh, you know, g- give uh, give the listeners uh, some ideas to where you think uh, interest rates ultimately end up. Do we see a repeat of what we saw in uh, the early 80s?
1: Yeah, that's the same cycle. So I think it's a repeat of the early 80s. I just want because it sounds so strange and we don't know what's going on. I want to give an example about the stock market. The stock market is is the same strange situation. The stock market, if a year ends on a 7, you have a major sell-off. Now, this was in 1907, 17. 1929 was was two years late. That's why it had such a crash, because it has to come down in the cycle low. And then it was 37, 47, 57, 67. 77, 87, everybody knows. 97, 98, everybody knows there was the the, the crisis in Russia, whatever, with, with the currencies. Then we had 207. In 2017, 18, there was a sell-off. We don't know what is going on over here, but it's very helpful if you know that it's going to happen. And that's that's what my work does. Uh, I try sometimes to explain that I'm trained as a medical doctor, and if they, the, the pharmacy, pharmacy says you have to give these people the red pill, I give them the red pill if it, if it, if I don't know uh, how the red pill works. The problem with small investors is that they say, as long as I don't understand it, I'm not going to use the research. That 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 That's cost a lot of money. So I don't really can answer your question because I don't really know. I know what's going to happen, but I don't know really why.
0: Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. Again, his website is charlesnenner.com. He is gracious enough to offer his work for four weeks for free, and I encourage the listeners to check that out. Uh, Dr. Nenner, uh, and we have time for one more question in this segment. Um, You know, since most people invest in stocks and bonds, what I've just heard you say in this segment is that you're bearish on both stocks and bonds. So that really is bad news for someone managing assets for retirement the traditional way, do you see any markets moving ahead that your cycles say will be bull markets?
1: Well, we're waiting for the gold and silver market to take off. <laughs> Still a bit early, but we're going into bull markets. And uh, the stocks that we, we we work with because we follow the crude oil and the natural gas. Now the crude oil we work we work with U S O and U N G is what we work with with uh, with uh, natural gas and. Those stocks go according to the commodities. Those are commodities that follow uh, uh, soya beans. So uh, if you want to make money, you just have to look for somewhere else. The problem is that most investors that I used to make money in a certain asset only want to make the money or make the money back in that asset. And then what they say is, well, I don't know about crude oil. And then somebody says, well, what we, do you know about stock markets? You also don't know. It's the same thing. So we, we make a, a lot of money in, in, in other sectors and we stay away from the losing sectors.
0: Well, my guest today is Dr. Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. I would encourage you to check it out. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Nenner when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg and You are listening to RLA Radio. I have the pleasure of chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner's website is charlesnenner.com. He's graciously offered to give the listeners of the program today four weeks of his research for free. Again, the website to check that out and claim that free research is charlesnenner.com. So, Dr. Nenner, there is a lot going on um, in the now mainstream media as far as covering Cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, Bitcoin. There's, there's been some press that uh, China, South Korea, and Russia are now clamping down on, on, on cryptos. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you see cryptos near term.
1: Well, first of all, cryptos is the easiest thing to analyze, especially with cycles, because let's say you analyze IBM, the cycles work, but there could be a small interruption because IBM could, could come out with, uh, with some news or, or, or numbers, which almost doesn't happen in, in, uh, in, in Bitcoin, and we do Ethereum, we do Ethereum, Bitcoin. And uh, there's no fundamentals on there, there's just rumors. It's full of idiots where uh, uh, Katie, I forgot the last name, uh, got a place in, in a board of Bitcoin and says the Bitcoin goes to 100,000. And, then, you know, people listen, and if I ask the people, okay, you don't want her to explain how she gets there, because I'm sure she doesn't know how she get there. So we went out of Bitcoin around 69,000 when cycles stopped. And cycles are still down. And if it holds this week above 38,000, then we might go long again for a bounce. Ethereum looks worse. The cycles are really down for Ethereum. And uh, for now, the party is over. We even have intraday updates on Bitcoin and Ethereum because it uh, is a volatile. So subscribers get get them uh, mostly once a day. After a couple of hours of trading, we tell them um, what time because we also have hourly cycles. What time the uh, Bitcoin is going to bottom and what level is going to bottom and where it goes. It's it's very easy. It's very easy to analyze uh, these two things. But for the moment, Ethereum is 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 uh, in a bad situation because of the cycles, and Bitcoin just has to hold around thirty eight thousand. Uh, to make another try to get higher, but it's not going very high. It's just going to make a bounce.
0: So do you have any long-term forecast for, say, Bitcoin and Ethereum?
1: Well, that's a bit problematic because in order to make a a long-term forecast, you need long-term cycles. In order to make long-term cycles, you need data of at least 20 years or so, and it doesn't trade that long, so it will take a couple of years until I can make weekly and monthly cycles and come with a long-term forecast.
0: Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, metals, if we could. Gold and silver, and we can talk about each market. Uh seems like with uh, the inflation that is now here, in fact, Jerome Powell changed his language language describing inflation from transitory to persistent. It seems that gold and silver probably should have taken off more than they more than they have. We've seen a little bit of a bump here, but nothing significant. How do you see gold and silver moving ahead through 2022?
1: Well, you're right about gold and silver, but I have uh, written about this. Uh, uh, maybe you remember, I don't know how old you are, Tom and Jerry. You remember those, the cat and the mouse?
0: I remember the cat and the mouse.
1: And, and- Okay, so the cat is, is chasing the mouse and they get to do a cliff and the mouse stops and then the cat goes over the cliff and continue to, to walk until he looks down and says, oh, there's nothing here to walk on and then he only falls down. <laughs> so what the, the news is there, but we don't, we don't realize it yet. So that's why the cycles come in. When the cycles are turning up, it's then that people start realizing it and as long as the cycles don't turn up, The news could be there, but they don't realize it, so we don't have a bull market.
0: So do you see gold and silver uh, going bullish this year?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: So let's break them down. again,
1: again, Again, I like people to look at our forecast because I don't want them to buy now, and it goes lower for another two months, and then they have a loss and they sell off, and then it takes off. It's, it's a matter of timing. This, this gold and silver has been in a trading range, and it's very difficult to, to, to trade this, and you just have to wait for a major low, which is going to come in a month or two months, and then uh, gold, could go, and good gold uh, could go much higher. Um, maybe because you said, you know, what should people do? There's an idea to get into gold stocks because they have a nice dividend, much more than you get in the bank, and then you can just wait for, uh, for the move starting to go up.
0: So, are you more bullish on gold or silver as we move ahead through this year?
1: That doesn't make much difference. Doesn't make. A, that's a good question. I don't think it makes much difference, and that's one of the reasons why I can answer you. I'm happy if, if you're right on silver and right on gold going up, and if one goes a little bit more than the other one, that's not so, so important.
0: So... What kind of work, Dr. Nenner, uh, do you do with currencies, and uh, do you have a forecast for the U.S. dollar?
1: Yeah, yeah. Longer term, the U.S. dollar is uh, is bullish. We could see some weakness for a week or so. Now it's not important. Uh, I have a chart going back to the 1900s. The cycle is very clear, and uh, we should continue in a bull market for the dollar.
0: So let's talk a bit about uh, commodities, if we could. Do you see uh, commodities uh, like uh, uh, industrial metals and and agricultural commodities? I understand those are two different things. But do you see uh, those two classes uh, also being bullish, moving ahead, given uh, current Fed policy?
1: Yeah, we we are long-term long already in the corn and in beans and wheat. Uh, there's some short-term cycles at bottom in a week or 10 days. I don't have it exactly in my head. And uh, they should go much higher, especially soybeans. And uh, it's going to lead to a lot of inflation. If you look at the uh, Goldman Sachs Commodity Index, it really took off and uh, it could go much higher. It, this is really something that people have to think about what to do with the money and how to save their assets.
0: So just to kind of summarize, Dr. Nenner, you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it seems that moving ahead, traditional investing, you know, the stock and bond investing and the old Wall Street advice, the older you are, put more of your money in bonds. It seems that that is really uh, based on your cycle. That's going to set many people up to fail financially. And uh, from what I've gathered from this interview, you really need to be looking at alternative uh, asset classes. Is that fair?
1: Well, you know, we had to, bond, we had to uh, rally in bonds almost 40 years. So people didn't realize bonds can also go down. And again, I, I wrote about it two years ago. I said, if you think that the in, that inflation stays at 1.5%, I think you're wrong. But then stay in bonds if you want to take the gamble. But it doesn't seem very logical because even if you don't believe in my cycle work, you know this is not going to stay forever. And uh, again, once bonds fell off, you can't get it back. And again, if 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 you have a stock, Apple just mentioned something, and it sells off at the market, and in one or two years it makes uh, either bigger profits, then the stock goes back up. But that's not the situation with bonds. And like you said, you know, the biggest amount of of money is in bonds, not in stocks. So I think the consumers are going to be in trouble soon, especially the younger ones, because I, for I see around me is that they're all in Bitcoin. And, an Ethereum, and they're going to lose their shirt if they don't know what they're doing. So a lot is going to change.
0: So at what point do you do your cycles uh, show that, look, just going back to stocks again for a minute, at what point do you think uh, we ultimately get a bottom? And, uh, wow. you know, if we're getting a, a, a big decline, I think you said the first stop on the Dow might be 18000 uh, That's already right. a big drop. But how low does it go, and uh, when do you think it might get there?
1: Well, I think it's going to be negative for the whole year. Uh, but uh, again, I think you could have a bounce until the 30th of January, so there's another chance to lighten up a little bit. And uh, I don't listen to people who say, who say you build for the long term because uh, like I sometimes give an example, if you go to the market to buy oranges and the oranges are $2 and you, next, you say next, uh, next week they're $1, you buy them only next week when they're one dollar. So why should you have buy them when they're two dollars? So why should you just first lose a lot of money if the uh, downturn is so simple? And then uh, you know it goes down forty, fifty percent, and then you have to struggle to make back hundred percent because it goes down fifty percent. You have to make up hundred percent in order to break even.
0: So dr Nenner, uh, we have time for just one more question here in this segment. Um, you had mentioned uh, in the first segment that you saw inflation going up to double what it is now. Uh, can you comment on right. uh, how you've reached that conclusion?
1: Well, it's the same thing that if the uh, let's say the S&P goes up <clears throat> with a certain momentum, I sometimes explain if you shoot a bullet in the air, people who know the physics know that it has a certain amount of time until it turns down and you can calculate with the momentum how high the bullet will go until it starts going down. The same thing with markets. If inflation goes up in a certain period fast with a certain percentage, you know how it's going to continue. So you just project like you project an upside price target for the S&P. You project an upside uh, target for the inflation. It's all mathematics.
0: Well, my guest today has been Dr. Dr. Charles Nenner. He has been gracious enough to uh, offer four weeks of his research for free to our listeners. If you'd like to claim that research, you can go to charlesnenner.com. And Nenner is spelled N-E-N-N-E-R. That's charlesnenner.com. And Dr. Nenner, I always appreciate your perspective, and uh, I've really enjoyed your work. Um, Love to have you back down the road, and, and thank you for joining us today.
1: I'm sorry, I had to be a bit uh, negative, but it's better to, uh, you know, better safe to. Uh, how do you say it in English? Uh, I forgot. Better safe than it.
0: sorry. we have
1: to be safe.
0: Okay. Better yes, safe than that's sorry. What I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. always a Thanks. always a pleasure to always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, again, would love to have you back down the road. And uh, I'd encourage the listeners to check out your work at CharlesNener.com. So thank you for joining us. We will return after these words. You're to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen, and thanks again to Dr. Charles Nenner for joining us on today's program. You know, as I talked about in the first segment and as I talked about with Dr. Nenner, bonds seem to be reversing course at this point after a 40-year bull market. Bonds, as 2022 got started, performed dismally as I wrote about in my most recent Portfolio Watch weekly newsletter. And incidentally, if you're not yet a subscriber to the Portfolio Watch newsletter, there's no reason not to be. It is a free weekly newsletter. All you have to do is visit retirementlifestyleadvocates.com and sign up for the free newsletter and it will be emailed to you every Monday at 5 p.m. So when the recent Federal Reserve minutes were released, it became pretty obvious that the Fed is making what the markets perceive to be a very valid threat to to take away the punch bowl, to take away the currency creation. And the markets, especially the bond market, but the stock market as well, are reacting. Now, why are markets reacting? Well, for the first thing, higher interest rates will be detrimental to an economy that's already fragile. I mean, you only have to look at the most recent jobs report to see that the economy remains weak. I'm going to give you a quote from a Yahoo Finance article. Non-farm unemployment grew by 199,000 in December. The U.S. Labor Department announced Friday a disappointing result that fell well short of expectations for the month. Analysts were expecting job creation at twice that level. And incidentally, as the unemployment rate goes down, it's really not because a lot more jobs are being created. It's because the workforce is shrinking. People are dropping out of the workforce. So the unemployment rate is dropping for exactly the wrong reason. Now, I've talked about about this in the the past here, but, you know, the, the Fed really has two choices, and they're both bad. One, if they follow through on the taper, if they quit currency creation, if they start hiking interest rates, that will be bad for the economy and the financial markets. On the other hand, if they continue currency creation and continue these easy money policies, that will be bad for the U.S. dollar. There's not a good outcome here, which is what the Revenue Sourcing Book talks about. And it gives you some strategies to consider to help you navigate this environment because we don't know exactly what Fed policy is going to be. My opinion is they will start to tighten, the markets will react negatively, and the Fed will reverse course. But that's my opinion. If you don't yet have a copy of the revenue sourcing book, you'll get it when you request this month's free report. All you need to do to get it is go to requestyourreport.com. We'll be glad to send you the book, the report, and all the bonus information. Now, should the Fed start to engage in easy money policies again? At a certain point, rather than helping the financial markets, inflation will hurt them. Now, Steve Forbes had some interesting comments last week, and I quote, This could well be the year that inflation starts to smack the stock market. The current episode of What's Ahead explains why. Investors need to understand there are two kinds of inflation, monetary inflation and non-monetary inflation. Last year, Most of the increases in prices came from pandemic disruptions made worse by Biden administration blunders. This is non-monetary inflation. The other type of inflation comes from the Federal Reserve printing too much money. Our central bank has been using a certain gimmick, reverse repurchase agreements on an unprecedented scale to keep this mountain of money from cascading into the economy. But these kinds of ploys always end badly. Moreover, the Fed has announced that come spring it will no longer be adding to its holdings in government bonds, which means higher interest rates than even the Fed anticipates. And that's bad news for the economy and the stock market. Mr. Forbes touches on the fact that the Fed has two choices and they are both bad. Should they continue with the tightening, that will be bad news for financial markets and for the U.S. economy. Now, recent guest here on the program, Alistair McLeod, also commented on this. He said the establishment, including the state, central banks, and most investors, are thoroughly Keynesian. Well, Keynesian economists simply believe that you can create currency to take up the slack in the economy and you can control inflation on the back end through different means. Now, Alistair said that this belief in Keynesian economics is about to change. He says, and I quote, the world of continual Keynesian stimulus is coming to its inevitable inevitable end with prices rising beyond the authorities' control. In other words, it's going to get away from them. Being blinded by neo-Keynesian beliefs, no one is prepared for it. Now, he wrote an article and talked about the fact that in the UK the current rate of monetary inflation that we have in the United States actually occurred for only half the time that it has here, just for one year. And gilt coupons went over 15%. Now, how does that compare to the money creation that we have seen? Well, since February of 2020, the M2 money supply has increased from $15.4 trillion to $21.4 trillion, that's about 39% increase in the money supply in just 20 months. That's an average annualized inflation rate of 23.2%. And from 2008 to 2021, that inflationary increase was 175%. Mr. McLeod, in his article, points out that if the Consumer Price Index... Measure of inflation is the relevant measure. If that's the measure you want to use, then its current indicated rate of price inflation at 6.8% is only the beginning of upward pressure on prices. Alistair points out that markets are ignoring this reality for now. They're hoping the Fed is still in control and can be believed. He said, We can soon be sure that it will become apparent that the monetary authorities have a major problem on their hands, which will no longer be satisfied by jaw-jaw alone. Interest rates will then be destined for significantly higher levels, not because there is demand for capital against a background of limited savings supply, but because anyone holding dollars will require compensation for retaining them. And I believe we may be seeing that, the beginning of that, presently. So if you're unsure as to what to do with your IRA or your 401k, I would invite you to get some free resources. If you request our report this month, you'll get some bonus information that addresses these topics as well as a copy of the best-selling revenue sourcing book. All you need to do is go to requestyourreport.com, let us know where to mail your information, and we'll be very glad to do that. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. I'll be back again next week.